Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness in our lives. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that the righteous, Father God, will raise up um, the name of Jesus as our place of refuge. We will run into that refuge and we will be saved. The name of Jesus is a strong tower. And so, Lord, allow us to learn how to run into that place and be found in peace with abundant joy and provision through the roof. Amazing because of your faithfulness and your goodness in our lives. Thank you that we are here gathered as the church of Jesus Christ. We're gathered as men, women, and young boys and girls, Lord, that have found hope in this life, have found better promises in Christ, have found precious uh, provision that we might escape the snares that are in this world of the lust and the desires that have gone astray. We pray that the blood of Jesus would cover us in this place as we gather as the people of God um, to listen to the word of God in the house of God from the man of God. We pray that your word would prosper in our lives and that we would be more than just hearers, that we would be doers of your word. And we might be able to champion those things that challenge us every day, Lord. We pray, Father God, that you prosper your word in our hearts, that you give us strength, Lord, that your plans in our lives might prosper and your purposes might prevail, Lord. We give you thanks, Lord, that that which you have begun in us, you will finish according to your faithfulness, Lord. We glorify you. We bless you. We celebrate Christ and his victory on the cross. We give you thanks for this great salvation of redemption, of saving of our souls, Lord, of being able to be the salt and light of the earth, Lord. We pray that we would be, Lord, strong influence in the last days, Lord, and that we might take this response of the good news of Jesus Christ to all those who are broken and those that are suffering outside of the walls of your kingdom, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. We entrust your leadership, Lord, and that you're faithful, Lord, to uh, take us to a place that flows with milk and honey, green pastures, and quiet waters. You are our shepherd. We pray that your word might prosper in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, and all the people say, amen, amen, and amen. Uh, I have a huge responsibility in, in many sorts, um, one of which is um, you, you had to be here on Wednesday and listen to that message on Wednesday night, our Bible studies. Remember, Wednesday night is a time to bring your Bible to the, the course, the manual of life. Uh, I had a woman tell me, well, I don't know how to run my family because there was no book written for these things. And I'm like, are you sure or lost, lady? Uh, the book is named The Bible, and in there has all the principles of the instruction we need to champion life. And we say that the, the church... Uh, Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus says, I'm going to build my church and that will be the entity that prevails against Satan, against the gates of hell and the demons that are out there. Uh, having friends that have lost uh, their children to the world and to the devil's plight, they say, Pastor, I didn't prepare my children to defend themselves, not academically, but spiritually. They had no clue how to defend themselves against that which comes against us. And 
Ephesians 6.12 tells us what's against us. Uh, these men and women who have not taught their children how to be a part of the church have cursed their children. There's one entity upon the earth that defends against the gates of hell and its influence, and it's the church of Jesus Christ. The gates of hell will not prevail, will not be victorious against those that are part of the church. I love the fact that my children, even last night as they were celebrating Joshua's graduation from youth group, imagine he's 26. We don't allow them to continue in youth after 26 because we say you are already non-youth material. Um, I've also said that they could keep them around as consultants. They could, they could help and volunteer and help the leadership. But as members, they, they are not welcomed to come and act like they're youth. We don't have perpetual youth in this place. That's called the syndrome of Peter Pan. We don't, we don't uh, like that. Um, I wanted to say, and I said yesterday, that everyone who graduates from Livingstones has to be engaged. So, so there, Megan, she, she graduated last night too, and she, she will get married next week. Woo! Megan. Megan decided she would do her youth in the house of God, amongst the people of God. And, and she said last night, I'm going to let her say it. Come here. I'm going to let her say it live so that you don't think I'm, I'm saying what she would say. Come and tell us why you decided to put your youth and in God's promises from the time you were 12 to now you're 20 up there um, and you're a week away from getting married. I don't know where the microphones here they are. Why did you decide to do in the house of God amongst the people of God from your youth? Um, so good morning, everyone. Um, so like we said yesterday, I was super honored, super humbled from yesterday. And Nick and Mel, thank you very much. Um, being part of the youth group, one thing I told them was that first off, from 15 to 25, you're very most likely to find the person that you're going to marry. It's very normal. It's totally fine. I found my fiance and my husband in the youth group. Yes! And during that time, I learned what it is to have a correct relationship with God, what is to have a relationship with Him. And I'm living a dream now because of that time in youth group. And I would never, ever change it for, you know, I never went to the club. I never, you know, you know got drunk. I never did a cigarette. But I never had a lack of peace. I never had a lack of joy. I never had a lack of, you know, wanting something I never had. So I would never, ever change youth group for anything else. So, yeah. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. I'm just wondering how that happens. You know, she has, she, she's become this time where she was single and trying to find her husband. She became a marriage therapist. So she's a licensed marriage therapist in the state of Florida. So now she, her husband could listen to her advice. Amen. <laughs> awesome. Enjoy. You're beautiful. Awesome. So we have nine to 15 nieces and then all the other ones that come along that we're going to champion this thing. And so we made a new rule. You don't leave youth group at 26 until you're engaged. And so Joshua got away. And, um, and, and so we're going to, okay, so yesterday they celebrated that and uh, they, they know how to champion life. They know how to champion these things. But look what Ephesians 6.12 says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. So if you waste your time looking in the natural world, that you're going to miss it because you're going to want to punch somebody in the head, grab somebody by the throat, and do something on the physical realm when you should be doing it on the spiritual side of life. 
We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Your enemies are not physical, but against principalities and powers, against these rulers in dark realms of this age, against spiritual hosts, the armies of wickedness in the heavenly places. So while we are Christians, while we know Jesus, while we go to church and read the Bible, we have to know what the Bible says. And it says that we are battling in a spiritual world, spiritual elements. So these things have taken um, posture in our homes. They've taken postures in our relationships. They've, been, they've taken postures keeping us away from the right people and tying us or binding us to the wrong relationships. So I recall uh, one of the women that was coming to this church, her, her daughter could not stay away from this total jerk. This guy was awful. He was making her do everything foolish and wicked and wrong. And so the mom decided she wasn't going to hire a hitman. She was going to start fasting and praying to break the spirit of wickedness that was attending to her daughter's life. Finally, the Lord prevailed and she got away from this man and God broke that curse, that addiction, that bewitchment, all these spiritual things. And she was able to marry a godly man and start a godly family. But here, if we don't realize, and again, my concern and responsibility as a shepherd in this house is to equip you, to prepare you to attend to the matters of your responsibility. When we came to the Lord 38 years ago, boy, there was heavy spiritual battle in our home for generations of wickedness that wanted to continue to bring down generational curses. It's almost like these spirits would, when one generation of family members would die, they would grab their luggage and move into our house and say, we are going to do the same thing we did to the previous generation. All the divorce, all the sexual immorality, all the drunkenness, all the curses, all the darkness that we pro, uh, proliferated in previous generations of these people that are no longer alive, we're going to move in to the next generation. And some people have asked me, how come in our family there's like this long line of divorce? How come there's a long line of suicide? How come there's a long line of infirmity? And those are spirits that are trying to move in and, and take place in our lives and in our families. And so we need to confront these things according to the promise of God in Luke chapter 1, verse 67. The prophet Zechariah, uh, the father of John the Baptist, prophesied filled with the Holy Spirit. He, he pronounced words that would come over those that would follow Jesus. Verse 68, blessed is the Lord God of Israel. He has visited and redeemed his people. The fact that the Lord showed up and knocked on the door of our house and wanted to come in and we said, well, you stay in the living room, leave the rest up to us is a curse because he's come in with the agenda to visit us, to redeem us, but particularly verse 71 says to save us from our enemies. That means that these adversary spirits that want to take us down, 
He's come to save us. Some people have come to me, Pastor, I don't know why I can't overcome this spirit of alcoholism in my life. I said, you know something? It's an unclean spirit, and because you have befriended it, because it's your friend and not your enemy, the Lord is going to deliver you from your enemy and not your friends. You need to declare these things as not bosom buddies. You're not in my life. I don't invite you. I don't welcome you. I don't fellowship and keep company with a wicked and impure spirit. So declare them to be your enemies, and then the Lord will be faithful to save you from your enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, all that are contrary. Um, there, Matthew 18, 18, the, the spiritual exercise of coming against these spirits is being able to bind them. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. These things need to be addressed. They, in our family, we started enumerating our enemies, these generational spirits that came into our family, and one by one, we showed them the way out, the door. You got to get out of this house. You got to get out of this family. And so uh, I know that, that some people go through the Christian motions of coming to church and reading their Bibles and praying, but we need to go a little bit deeper in understanding in a spiritual world, we need to overcome evil spirits that have taken territory in our lives. And in that regards, the Bible says, verse 19, again, I truly, I tell you that if two or more of you agree on anything concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them. This is the agreement uh, by my Father in heaven, it shall be done. To be able to overcome these spirits is key because they, they want to accommodate themselves in our lives um, towards our destruction, towards our ruin. Uh, we know these spirits are under the command of Satan, and that's where the Bible says in um, John 10.10 10, that their intention is not a peaceful plight. They come to steal, they come to kill, they come to destroy. So I don't gather that you give them any space or any part in your life, otherwise you're going to have the effects and the fruits of this destruction and this ruin. Um, if we properly defend what God has given us, um, Jesus says that I have come that you might have life and that you might enjoy life in abundant measure. So the, the expression of being captive by spirits where they hold you to not be able to be free, the spirit of God comes that you might be free and he breaks the bondage instead of um, them binding you you bind them and cast them out in Jesus name and so to be able to identify them is super important because they are stealth they they walk in darkness they walk under the cover of night they disguise during the day there's all sorts of things that are happening in that regard and Jesus was marked by the fact that he would confront these spirits in Mark 1, verse 23. There's examples across the Bible that Jesus would be in a place 
And there he was, there was a man in the synagogue, which would be the gathering of God's people, and that's, that's surprising. And there inside this man was an unclean spirit. And he began to belch and cry out and disrupt the assembly. Verse 24, Jesus turned to him, uh, rather they turned to him and they said, let us alone. What have we to do with you? They, they cannot stand Jesus. They cannot stand the name of Jesus. Uh, in the old movies, people would bring out a crucifix and go like that and aim it. No, the name of Jesus. You use the name of Jesus powerfully because they can't stand anything that's tied to Jesus. The name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Cast them out in Jesus' name. What do we have with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? They know that the time, there's going to be a time of their destruction. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So they have no, they have no confusion when it comes to being confronted with Christ. And they're overwhelmed and they don't know what to do. Jesus tells them what to do in verse 25. Be quiet. Rebuke them saying, come out of this man. And so that is a powerful expression. The Bible says what happens at the response of Jesus addressing and identifying this spirit. Verse 26, the unclean spirit convulsed the man, cried out with a loud voice, and he had to leave. There's no negotiation. There's not, well, let's, let's do a timeshare. You get them from... Uh, January to June, and I get him in the summer. No, he has to leave and be evicted totally from the presence where he's cast out in the name of Jesus. What happens to the surrounding people witnessing this? In verse 27, the people were all amazed, and they asked each other, what is this? Is this a new teaching with authority? Is it a new doctrine? For with authority, he commands even the spirits, and they obey him. So we, we have a responsibility to identify the influence of what these spirits are, how they work, what they do. And it makes us part of the functional aspect of the church of Jesus Christ. He told his followers, you're going to go and these signs will follow you. You will cast out evil spirits in my name. And they, they will obey you. They, they, will, they, will, be, um, they will be effective in seeing that, um, we see this also, verse 28, immediately the, the news of Jesus spread throughout the surrounding area. Um, there, at the beginning of what happened in our family, there was a lot of clashes between areas held by these evil spirits in our family and, and the, the presence of Christ that was coming in. So, so a lot of demon activity, and we, will, we were well-versed in exorcism. Um, it, it just at the beginning, at the very beginning, when, when we had our initial Bible studies at home, we didn't know about Christianity, and the Lord made our family um, ghostbusters um, because all manner of demons were coming in, and, and we were witnessing these things, and we were freaking out. Uh, we couldn't believe it. Uh, the first exorcism, me and Leanne ran and hugged each other. And we're like, oh, Lord. Uh, it was an ugly scene. It looked like the, the movie The Exorcist. And, and it's, it's ugly, ugly, ugly. 
Um, the beautiful side of that is the aftermath, the peace and the joy that is left after the dev devil has to go. And, and I recall um, my father had invited a patient to come to our house to that particular Bible study when we were first learning about the Lord. Wow, did he get a rude awakening when that demon started screeching and the, the, the casting out of these demons started happening. That guy jumped on our cows. He had no respect for the decency of order and he was on top of our couch and he had brought a crucifix so he was he was going like that to the to the person that was getting exercised a young girl who had shown up she knocked on the door of our house she says i'm here because they say that the pastor will deliver me from my demons um i didn't know what she was talking about she was very pretty but she got very ugly all of a sudden uh and i didn't know the spiritual world and when the pastor casted out the demon says evil wicked spirit you come out in jesus name and my dad ran over and opened the glass door the sliding glass door so the demon would leave the house he didn't know that demons go through walls and spirits they, they don't need windows and doors uh, but we didn't know we were just uh he was just allowing him to leave our house and so we we got really into this um when we started spring of life fellowship also uh, a lot of people would come here and it was almost like the devil trying to challenge the authority of Christ in this place. And many people were set free at the beginning years and weeks of our church. And, and people would just come through the doors. And I knew they were filled with demons. And I said, come here, we need to pray for you. And they're like, why? And this one girl, she was age 31. Uh, she came in with her mom that night because she had heard that one of her friends had come and got delivered. This guy named Peter was like six foot five. And I said, oh my God, we're going to need 15 guys to hold him down. And we rebuked the demons for three hours. And, and all of our staff, all of our young people were versed in, in, in casting out demons and, and approaching these people. Um, then he told Claudia and Claudia, Peter told Claudia and Claudia came and she says, uh, I'm, going, I'm seeing a psychiatrist and I have a huge, um, I have a huge monthly um, I guess uh, it was um, medical health cost over uh, thousands of dollars and and she came that night and when I saw her I said listen you need help she says what help I go you got demons and they got to come out in Jesus name she goes I know but nobody believes me I know I got these demons but nobody believes me I said well they're gonna come out in Jesus name so we prayed uh, we told her mom to sit outside as we prayed for her for two and a half hours also, she came out with such joy and such peace. When she went home and her father saw her, he says, what happened to you? He says, I went to a place and they cast out these devils, these evil spirits, unclean spirits. And the guy invited me to have dinner with him, me and Yvette. We went to their house. Um, he was a champion tennis coach. Um, he had coached Gabriela Sabatini for years. And he says, what you did for my daughter, I need for you to do for my whole tennis team. They all have issues from their childhood. Could I bring in them next Sunday? And sure enough, next Sunday, they all came out. And uh, they all came to the Lord, and we prayed for them. And, 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 and so you see, the power of the gospel is not free from the reality of casting devils out. And, and how sad it is that people come to church filled with devils, and they leave church filled with devils. And some get more devils in church than they did in the world, religious spirits and spirits that are, are super wicked because they make you 
act like a Christian on the outside, but on the inside, you're not a real authentic Christian. So those are the most wicked spirits, the religious spirits. So Jesus taught us that we are to confront these, not only with his actions, and, and I get this straight, watch this, I had a friend of mine, he really liked this thing about Ghostbusters, so he went all over Miami for 20 years casting out the same demon in every house. So he would cast out the demon, cast out the demon, cast out. And so you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to follow demons. If they get in the way, you cast them out and you keep on following Christ. You don't let them become the centrality of your attention. Um, because also, since we were in a church that was effective in spiritual authority, um, almost the trap was the devil now got into everybody's, I'm going to say this, this is not a good word, but everybody's mojo. And everybody saw a demon everywhere. Oh, that little baby has a demon. No, that baby doesn't have a demon. His mom is the demon he has. Um, so everything became a spirit. And, and that's, the, that's the air. And if you hear Pastor Richie's uh, expression and example, he says, Pastor, we got to be careful when this stuff gets stirred up because everything gets really weird really quickly. And then what happens is the devil wants to entertain, perform, and distract. And we don't do that. So one lady came here years ago, and we knew that she had an evil spirit in her. And you say, Pastor, how did you know? Because as soon as she came through the door, she went to the ground, and she slithered like a snake all the way through the back row. And so that's a good sign that she's not filled with the Holy Spirit. There's another spirit that's driving her to do something that's really erratic so they grabbed her because we're not going to allow the devil to have to showcase um performance in this place we grabbed her and put her in the conference room and they started praying for her casting out the demons and then uh, i heard a whole bunch of noise as i was in my office and i opened up the door and i saw her doing the slithering thing on top of the conference table and and so i said call pastor omar and have him uh, deal with it while i continue not being distracted in my, they're like, great, thank you, pastor. We thought you were going to come and help us. No, we, you don't need help. You just cast them out in Jesus' name. So these spirits have occupied, going back to Pastor Richie, as he describes this, he says, pastor, please don't stir up this. But it's not that I stir up, it's that we are the only hope for those that are possessed with evil spirits. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And so we're, you know, we're not phased by these things. The realities of overcoming evil spirits in a spiritual world is not just a reality. It's our responsibility, especially in your own homes, amongst your own family, with respect to expressions that are holding the family back from God's goodness and what he has for us. He describes this, Jesus does in Matthew 12, 43, as he well verses, he's teaching his followers about these matters. And so, um, he says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he, could, he now is roaming dry places. Places that don't ha are not filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have a continual river of living water and is washing you and is, is keeping you clean and he's looking for a dry place 
a place where those waters do not run anymore, and he's seeking rest and finds none. So what does this spirit that got cast out, that's looking for another place to occupy, what does he do? The Bible says in verse 44 that he says, I'll return to the house from which I came. I'm going to try and go back to the place where they kicked me out of. And when he comes and finds it, say with me, empty. So we're not to be empty, people. We, you know, for for whatever it is, we we need to know both sides of the balance in these matters. God made us well-versed in these matters so that we didn't become lopsided, that, that everything is a demon, everything is an evil spirit. Certainly there are. And there are places where, where we are struggling and don't get the victory. And it doesn't happen that we walk into um, the territory God has promised us. There, there might be a spirit there that needs to be cast out in Jesus' name. That's occupying a space and, and has uh, made himself at home where he doesn't belong. So we, we are well versed in being able to cast these things out. But look what, um, just hold your finger there in that area. And we go to Isaiah 11:2. When he finds the place empty, why empty? Because the Holy Spirit is not occupying that place. It's the Spirit of the Lord. And that's what should be inside of us. While a lot of people have focused on the caricature of evil and they've made us, oh, don't talk about the devil. Don't talk about evil spirits. Don't talk about demons. We don't want to. Yes, we do want to know. And we want to know the proper aspect to get them out they don't belong there they not disturb that house the house where light prevails where where it says the spirit of the lord is in that house what is it a spirit of wisdom there's seven spirits of the lord that you can ask you can say father god pour over me upon me and in me the spirit of god which manifests the spirit of wisdom. And it's awesome to have a spirit of wisdom because you can highlight foolishness everywhere. You can highlight foolishness everywhere. Natasha, where are you? Natasha, what was Gianna's joke at the zoo for me? Oh, yeah. Uh, Gianna's how old? Five, six? Six years old, she comes to me and says, Pastor, I want to teach you something. I said, okay, teach me. What's going on? She goes, when somebody's coming around, I ask them, are you fooling around with me? Because I don't hang out with fools. She's six years old. I love that. That's a spirit of wisdom. She's already a strong little girl. She'll be a strong woman of the Lord in Jesus' name. She's being raised up with the spirit of the Lord, a spirit of wisdom. So we're not into the brouhaha of darkness. We're into the shining bright light of his glory. The the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of strength, might, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of the fear of God. So that we could be strong. And when those demons try to come around, we're telling them, The house is full. There's no room for you. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me that I should preach to the poor, to the brokenhearted, that I could preach prosperity and and peace 
So that's, that's what we're filled with. Going back to um, Mark, Matthew 12, 44, it returns. He's seeking a, a dry place, doesn't find it. Then he says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, he finds it unoccupied. He finds it empty. He finds it swept and put in order. So everything looks like there's a period of the Spirit of God being at that place, putting things in order and cleaning it up. A sign of an evil spirit are things out of order, things twisted. Uh, I, I know that when I talk to Pastor Jules and he tells me about dealing with a lot of mental illness, the, the signs of disorderly thought. When your thought life is not in order, there's no peace. And it's good evidence that there's an occupancy of an evil spirit there disturbing your peace and bringing things out of order. Um, they, they have the manifestation of wickedness and dirtiness. Um, the spirits are attracted to things out of order and chaotic. Um, you become foolish, you lose your wisdom, you become earthly, you become demonic. So it's a progression of destruction unless there's occupancy of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God in me rejoices because it makes me love the things of God and repel and hate the things that God hates. And so we love the house of God, we love the Word of God, we love fellowship, we love the communion, we love worship. All these things, evidence that, that this, this temple, this house is filled with the Spirit of God and not an unclean, dirty spirit. Verse 45, then he goes and listen what he does. The spirit that was cast out, didn't find a place, returns to the same place. Everything is orderly, clean. And he says, I'm going to return with seven evil spirits more wicked than himself so this is this we learned also let's not cast demons out of people that do not want to be set free because shortly they continue in their rebellion and sin and now you cast out that one demon and now you made room for seven worse demons and this person is seven times worse than when he first came in and they enter and dwell there and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So it shall be with this wicked generation. Um, we are confronted with an onslaught of wickedness driven by evil spirits in our day. And so if you hang out with people that are filled with the spirit of God, they will confront these evil spirits and cast them out. And especially in these days that we're watching it grow worse and worse. It was a joy in Luke chapter 10, verse 1. The Lord, um, when he was here upon the earth, he not only cast out demons, he not only taught us about how to clean the house and how to keep it clean, he sent out 70 followers. And so this is not, uh, well, you got to be super spiritual to cast out a demon. No, you got to be well versed in knowing to identify the occupancy of things twisted and cursed and being able to address them in Jesus' name. And, and he sends them out two by two 
to address these matters, never go to cast out a demon alone. I know one of the women here at church about four years ago, um, she had a client in, in her business and she says, man, you're full of demons. And when she started casting out the demons, she got scared and ran. And, and I said, you should never cast out demons alone. Always go accompanied uh, with brothers that will be able to pray with you. So he sent them out two by two before um, into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And the, the incredible thing is that as he sent them out to do the work, verse 2, he told them the harvest is plentiful. There's evil spirits almost everywhere you go. But the workers are few and the Lord of the harvest. So these evil spirits are like moscas. They're like flies. And one of the, um, one of the areas they come is wherever, I, I know whenever I have a nick on my hand or a scratch, you'll see that flies come and they want to be there where that wound is. If, if, you're, if you have a spiritual wound, if, you have, if you're hurt, you got to be careful because they want to come and infect you in that place. They, they want to go and lay eggs. There, these flies, spiritually speaking, one of the names of Satan is the Lord of the flies. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. So the Lord of the flies will send his evil spirits to corrupt that which should be healed in Jesus' name and, and, and uh, cleansed and put in order. In this instruction, as he sends out the 72 out to the harvest, and he says, ask the Lord of the harvest that he might send workers to the field. I'm sending you like sheep amongst wolves. Make sure that you're ready for the task at hand. Well, it would surprise you in verse 17 as they return from being sent out. They are marveled and they said the 70 returned with great joy. There's no terror in this. There's great joy when the Lord uses you to set people free. How many say amen? You could lay hands on young people, on elderly people, on anyone and cast out these evil spirits. And the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Don't forget that part. Very important. Not subject to you, but subject to you in Jesus' name. And so I love that song that just came out. I pray the name of Jesus over you. And, and that is a powerful prayer. And so you casting these demons out with not much brouhaha. Um, as we were casting demons out of that first girl 24 years ago, at one point in the exorcist, exorcism, she turned to the person that was next to me and she says, I'm stronger than you. And that person was new and didn't know much about casting devils out. And she says, oh, no, you're not. And I turned to her. I said, don't, don't argue with the demon. We're not here to discuss who's stronger. He has to leave in Jesus' name. And so the deliverance was had and the smile was expressed as she was set free. Um, they were rejoicing. There was celebration. God bless you. And, and the Lord, uh, even the demons are subject to us in your name. That's a powerful expression of being God's people. They are able to, to move in the direction of our commandment. We command them to come out in Jesus' name. 
Even the demons are under us. Listen to us. And verse 18, Jesus said, and he said to him, I saw the day that Satan fell from heaven like a flash of lightning. Uh, I, I was there from the beginning. You guys rejoice now that he listens, that his, his hosts are subject to you. But I saw him from the beginning when he was cast out of heaven, when the father made no room for him. And so verse 19, listen carefully. I've given you authority that you now possess to overcome serpents and scorpions, the ability to exercise authority over all the power, over all the power of Satan, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So anything that's coming to, to diminish who your joy, your peace, your freedom, come against it in Jesus' name. Don't, don't allow that evil spirit to coward you back into a corner where you feel that you can't unleash against them. Call a pastor. Call a spiritual leader in the house of God to pray with you until that spirit goes in Jesus' name. What is the promise there? That he's given us all authority. And, and then he says something even more important, verse 20. He says, don't let this be the centrality of your faith walk. Do not rejoice that demons are subject to you, these spirits, but rather rejoice that your name is written in the, in the heavens. You, you, you have the expression of overcoming darkness, but your calling is way higher than that. Don't get stuck there. That's elementary ABCs in this regard. Um, there comes 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the Lord is, his spirit is there. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That, that's why we cast out demons. Some people are like, oh, why do we have to do that? Listen, because they're manhandling you, the demon handling, evil spirit handling you, um, powering you back from things that they have no room or reason or authority to do so. You get filled with the spirit of God and come against these spirits that want to inhabit um, your heart. Uh, Paul tells Timothy, you haven't been given a spirit of fear. That's, that's not, that, territorially, whenever you feel fear, you're saying, uh-uh, you don't belong here. Exercise your exit out of my life. Whenever I feel fear, I say, wait a second, um, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. So you little devil, Giddily daddling back to hell where you came from. You don't belong trying to bring fear in my life. The only fear I have in my life, the fear of the Lord. The reverence of God. But wherever the spirit of God is, the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's great rejoicing. Um, he's going to reveal all these matters in the manner of time. Um, in Acts chapter 1 verse 4 since the Spirit of the Lord is going to give us liberty, don't do anything absent the Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 1-4, he says, Do not leave Jerusalem, do not depart from here, till the promise of the Father comes into you, as you have heard from me. Um, verse 5, For John baptized with water, but in some days you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Verse 6, They gathered around and asked him, Lord, uh, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? 
And he says, it's not for you to know the date and time, verse 7. Let God, let God attend to these things. God has put in his own authority the design of times and places. You, verse 8, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Receive this power that allows you to have a more excellent spirit than the spirit that's in the world. And many churches are divorced from the spirit. They're like, oh, we don't want to see anybody, you know, get demons getting out of them. We, we don't want to see evil spirits. No, listen to me. That's who our DNA has been since day one. Since day one, there's no demon that's going to prevail in our lives, in our family, in our homes, in our finances. There's a spirit of poverty that follows people from generation to generation because it hasn't been cast out. And so they say, what is the manifestation of the spirit of poverty? Laziness. Isn't that incredible? He's like, hey, how, did, how did poverty come in our lives? Nobody's working. You bunch of lazy people. Go work in Jesus' name. A four-letter word people don't like. W-O-R-K. Go get a job. God prospers the fruits of your labor. And if you don't labor, there's nothing to prosper. So the spirit of poverty comes enveloped and disguised in a spirit of self-pity and, and laziness. And, and it's in the realm of giving and receiving. The, the, the poor people are the least of the generous among us. And so they say, but pastor, we have nothing to give. I guess, yes, you do. Look at this beautiful smile. See, I don't have money. I have a smile. I give you a smile. So your giving attracts receiving. As you give, it shall be given to you. But if you're under a spirit of poverty, you love going around telling people how much you don't have. That, that's the world you live in. So you got to cast that spirit out in Jesus' name. And, and it's our responsibility as shepherds to be able to give you insight into these, into these matters because there in Acts chapter 16, verse 16, there came occasion that there was a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of a divination. And she met us in the crossroads and who brought her masters much profit because she had the capacity to tell the future. Um, a, a lot of women over the years have come and said, Pastor, um, I have this gift. I'm like, okay, so what's the gift? I can see the future. I go, ah. Oh. You can see the future, huh? You know that I'm about to cast that demon out. Could you see that future? Um, because these women who say they see the future could never see it to what pertains to blessing in their home. Could you foresee honoring your husband? No, I don't see that. I say, then you're seeing too much. Close your eyes and begin to see the things of God and not the things the evil spirit wants to show you. He shows me things before they happen, Pastor. Yeah, but he, doesn't, he didn't show you that you're going to lose all things because Christ wasn't your strength. So anyways, we, we don't, we're not impressed by these giftings of fortune telling and, and bright. If, if demons can do like they did in the times of Moses, they matched every miracle Moses and Aaron did. Uh, we're, not, we're not impressed by that. 
We're impressed, like Jesus says, that your name is in the book of life. Use your spiritual tunings for the things that concern obedience to the word of God. If your spirituality leads you outside of the word of God, where you don't have a pastor, you don't have a church, you don't, your, your, your family does not congregate, does not honor and respect a pastor, it's because you don't honor and respect a pastor. Your family cannot receive what they have not been given. So these, these spiritual legacy and inheritance, and here they run into a young girl who has a spirit of a divination. And in that regards, verse 17, they followed Paul and the, the, the ministry team, and she would cry out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Nobody had to tell her the demons knew who Paul and his company were. And so Paul did the appropriate thing. What did, what did he do? He didn't invite her to church. Verse 18, Paul, after many days of seeing her go on with her annoyance, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And guess what he did? He comes out of her that very moment. So that is powerful to see we come against a spirit, and, and that's a strong spirit in our generation. Um, fortune telling, uh, all manner of horoscopes, zodiac signs, uh, hypnotism, um, the, what is the Wicca religion? People are more inclined to evil spirits. When we went to Massachusetts for our honeymoon, we went across Salem, Massachusetts. It's a witch city. And I told Yvette, I want to go talk to a witch. And so I want to ask her a question. And she goes, no, I don't want to go in there. And so I went into the, to the witch house, to the little witch place. They do witchcraft. They do fortune telling. And I told the young girl, what's your name? She told me her name. I said, why did you become a witch? And she goes, because I grew up in a Baptist church. And there was no power. There was no signs. There was no miracles. And I said, how sad it is for the church. I, I love when we go cast out demons we call it the Navy SEAL run. And I'll take five, six of the young men and their sons will say, Dad, when can I go with one of these things? I want to see a demon come out. I want to hear them shriek. I want to learn how to tell a demon in Jesus' name come out. So we make strong warriors and not cowards. We, we make strong spiritual people that are able to identify but also to exercise authority in these manners. And when he commanded that spirit to come out of the girl, she came out in, in that very moment. So all these um, expressions of the spirit of a divination. Uh, this, this, uh, there's a spirit called the spirit of familiarity um, where you are able to uh, identify these spirits and, and cohabit with them. You'll see in a church when, when a particular spirit comes in, it comes and it's attracted to the people that have that same unclean spirit. Have you seen that? So if it's, if it's a guy that's into pornography, he'll join the church and he'll draft over to the guy that used to be a pornographer. And, 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 and they're very familiar and they hang out together. They, they call it fellowship. We call it evil company. Um, because it's all tied into the roots of past conduct. And, and so these familiar spirits are attracted to one another and, and they, they, they cohabit in that regard. Um, the familiar spirits hear voices, and uh, are always looking for false signs. They, they walk in 
um, the secrets, secrecy, secrecy of the occult. Um, I love Pastor Oscar's testimony. He comes from, from deep, deep darkness in the world of witchcraft. And when the people try and say, hey, could you tell me a little bit about your story? He says, I don't want to spend much time glorifying Satan. I'm not going to talk about what the devil did in my life. I'm going to tell you what Jesus did in my life. Because a lot of people love to talk about all the craziness when they were filled with the evil spirit. I call them evangelists of hell. Because they're not bringing good news of the gospel. They're talking about when they were in darkness. So these familiar spirits are attracted to one another. And, and in Jesus' name, we, we cast them out so they have no place in us. I'm, I'm going to list real quick for the time uh, to save time today and just list a couple of, of the expressions of these spirits as they need to be identified. We already ran across the spirit of a divination. Um, there's the spirit. Uh, don't, don't let nobody tell you what your fortune is, like your future. Hey, could I tell you your future? Uh, I'm very good at that. Tell them, no, no, let, let me tell you what, what your future is. I, I see flame burning in hell if you continue to do that. You tell them what their future is. Don't let them curse you with a future mindset. Don't go to tarot readers. Don't go to witches and warlocks. Don't go to anybody who has the giftings of these powers that is not the spirit of God. Um, so in that regards, the spirit of a divination, the spirit that's a familiar spirit, um, these people who practice yoga, see, in yoga, the people says, no, it's just exercises. No, they're not exercises. They are spiritual exercises that come from the Middle East where you have to get in the form of cobra. You have to get in the form of this. You have to chant. You have to do things because in your obedience to those chantings, you are cultivating hellish attractiveness you're getting tuned to the spiritual world um, by your moaning and groaning and positioning and now you're we're going to go like this and go like ah. and so you're 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 calling demons to come in to use you as a vessel so so you know there's a strong movement of yoga you're doing yoga with your pet now the poor pet now has to be dragged in to this horrible world of primary witches do you understand the majority that do this are women? And, and I ask myself a question, why aren't they starting Bible studies? Why don't they meet at the park at noon for lunch and crack open the book of life? Why don't they pray for their husbands and their families? Why yoga? Because they're more prone to spiritual darkness. And so we need to be a people, uh, and, and we're not, look, for everything that we can say of how twisted women are, men are the spiritual leaders of their homes and they're not so every crisis at the home in every expression is a man who's not walking with God because God leads us to triumph God leads us to prosperity our meditating upon God's word day and night lead us to prosper in everything we do so when a man doesn't prosper in everything he does I know he's not doing life like the Bible says so that that's on the men's side okay on the women stop doing yoga because all you're doing is cultivating a groundwork for hell. So my cousin had the brilliant idea to get mad at her church and join a yoga school in Coral Gables, attracted a 
wicked man who shot her in the head right after yoga class. She had a trifecta because she cultivated hell. She's 31 years old. She's a school teacher here in Coral Gables. Decent family, but she drifted from the faith. She got shipwrecked and she went the way of darkness to the point that as a young girl growing up at church, she knew she didn't have to be around yoga, but that's what the world does. So that's what she did. She put on her yoga suit, went to yoga class. He surprised her coming out of the class with a gun. He got in her car and said, if you don't marry me, I'm going to shoot you and kill myself. And she tried to go next to the police department, Coral Gables. She tried to jump out of her car. He shot her five times in the back. Then he shot himself, and they both bled to death right there. So these stories are real and in our lifetime and amongst our family. And so we say, why are you playing around with evil and darkness? And you say, well, everybody's into it. Yeah, everybody's into it. But you should not be. You should be a banner in the midst of deep darkness. You should be a light. Yeah, let's give a hand to the Lord. We have revealed in the Bible a spirit of a divination, a spirit of familiarity, a spirit of jealousy. Nobody has that in Miami. A spirit of je uh, jealousy that causes division in the home, causes destruction amongst the family unit because it, it permeates hatred and cruelty and contention. It causes there to be envy and it ends in murder. The spirit of lying is found in the Bible also. It was funny because one of my friends was a pastor and he had heard about the spirit of lying and he was rebuking an evil spirit and he says, Devil, what's your name? And he says, I'm a spirit of lies. And he says, are you telling me the truth? Because he might have been lying. Find out the demon you need to cast out of your family, of your, your, your home. Get these spirits out of that place. A spirit of deception. Spirit of everything superstitious. Of false accusations. Listen, every time. I, this, I, I've been in the gospel so long. So long. That when people come up and they are accusatory or they're slandering, or they're diminishing somebody's character, 99.9% .9 of the time, they're lying. Could you believe that? And, and in the world, we just take that first bite of whatever they tell us, and we run with it. We go all over town, and we tell everybody, ah, let me tell the story, only to find out it wasn't true. And you're the sucker. You're the fool. As you field any information... Make sure that there's not this spirit of lies and slandering that's behind it. A spirit of jealousy and envy. People that just want to disparage somebody else's character. It's, it's filled. It's filled. It's in every conversation. We are not to be part of it. See, we didn't even get one amen because you guys don't agree with me. Okay, we're not to be a part of it. We're not to be taking and bringing information back and forth. 99% of the time, it's a lie. And you're just being used as a pawn of hell, a puppet of the devil. I don't appreciate that. So now, whenever anybody comes and tells me anything, I'm like, yeah, right. 
That's not the whole story. That's not how it finished. When my kids in school, they were talking about the Bible teacher. He's so bad. He's an angry man. He's a this man. He's a, they, I wanted to kill the guy by the end of the year. I didn't even know him. And instead of killing him and believing the story, I invited him to church to preach here on Sunday morning. And when my kids saw them, they said, why'd you invite him? Because I know there has to be a redeeming goodness about him if he's a Bible teacher in a Christian school. You're not telling me the whole story. And he came and he was a great blessing and it has been since then. It healed the relationship between my children and him. Bitterness was gone. Division was gone. All things the devil wanted to bring into our house was gone because we walked in the spirit of wisdom. And we didn't allow gossip and all this stuff to come in. A, a perverse spirit. Those people that are always led to things twisted. That's what a perverse spirit is. And, and you could cast it out in Jesus' name. Every time I talk to somebody, they tell me, Pastor, this is how I'm doing this. I'm like, why don't you do it the right way? And they're like, what? Yeah, do it the right way. But there's, there's another way that we could cut. Do it the right way. But I, I want to get married. I don't want to do it the right way. No, no, no. Get married, but do it the right way. Whatever you do, do it the right way because you'll get the right results. And every time you do things twisted, you got a spirit of perversion on your life. Instead of doing it the right way and getting the right results, you do things twisted and have to dance the Macarena the rest of your life with one foot. You're not going to be able to do that. Ask God, Lord, take away the spirit of perversion out of our family in Jesus' name. We want to do things right. Not the way you can, well, we can do it this way. No, 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 no. Do it right. If you do it right, you get the right result. If you do it wrong, uh, I told the man that this week. I said, you remember when you were a Christian? Yeah. You remember the Bible told you not to marry an ungodly woman? Yeah. You remember you married an ungodly woman? Yeah. You know it's hell on earth? Yeah. Okay. You should be happy. You should be the happiest man on earth because you were a Christian long before you married an ungodly person. So why did you want to have peace and joy when you didn't do what the word of God says? It's not easy to have a pastor like this. He just wanted to be held. But I have to tell him, rejoice. You grew up knowing not to marry a non-Christian. And you married a non-Christian, you had a baby with a non-Christian, you have a non-Christian family, and now she doesn't want to be a Christian. And she wants to leave you. And she doesn't want to be your husband. She doesn't want to have family. You should throw a party. Buy a cake. Invite me. I want to rejoice with knowing that what the word of God said was true. Because it would be a travesty that you did things wrong and God would prosper you. Because that meant I could throw my Bible in the trash. And heaven and earth will pass away his words are not going to pass away. Amen. You can take it to the bank. Do it the way the word says. You will rejoice and have peace. Unless you will fill with a spirit of perversion. A spirit of haughtiness. Pride. that It accentuates the mark of people. Um, the dignified dirt. I say why? Because he took us from the dirt of the earth. Now you spray a little Chanel. You buy an expensive purse and you're expensive dirt. You're going nowhere because you forgot where you come from. Is that a word, cometh? 
with you cometh. Listen, let's go low with the Lord because he exalts the lowly. No spirit of pride. No spirit of haughtiness. Lord, deliver us from arrogance and pride. The, the model car you drive does not make you excellent. It's a spirit of excellence that abides within you. Otherwise, you're just dirt driving a Mercedes. You're not. You're not to walk in that arrogance. Remember where you were before the Lord lifted you up. We're not going to be rejected by God because the Bible says he resists the proud. I want to go low with the Lord and not spirit of haughtiness or pride. A spirit of heaviness. The Bible says that sorrow, depression. The, the, the people that could only bring up the repeated avenues of their broken heart. They're oozing the whole time. A spirit of heaviness, the Bible says. To which a spirit of praise is able to cast out. When you're sitting there giving thanks to God about everything. Isaiah 61.3 he says he gives us a spirit of praise, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So if you're worshiping God and thanking him for all things, there's no way depression and sorrow and mourning could come into your heart. He gives you beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. There's a different spirit. As some people, if you watched uh, the night we did the uh, Magnify program, uh, Gabby played Esther. She did a phenomenal job. She depressed everybody. During that time where, where the plot to kill God's people uh, in the book of Esther that she was portraying, she did such a great job. I was in the front row. I was like, man, I'm, this is like a drama queen thing. Everybody's dressed like queens and the drama is running. And she's like, so you get around certain people, they start telling you their plight and how awful life is and how awful things are going. They never have anything to celebrate. They never have anyone to celebrate with. Um, the professional mourners of old, when somebody would die, they would hire people. <laughs> and you're like, did you know him? No, I didn't know him. I'm hired. I'm hired to make everybody weep. Spirit of, of sadness and sorrow, heaviness, that's not to be our spirit. We rebuke it in Jesus' name. A spirit of whoredom, unfaithfulness, that could never be faithful to anybody. They love money. They love sensuality. They have appetite for worldliness. They, they could get anybody to concern themselves about the matters of this world. You hear them all the time. The spirit of whoredom makes the world more attractive than the kingdom of God. I'll say it again. The spirit of the world, they highlight and promote, but they cannot promote that which is true, that which is light. So the spirit of whoredom is the unfaithful spirit of Jezebel. And she destroys the church, and she destroys the man of God and the house. She destroys the family. It's an evil spirit. needs to be cast out in Jesus' name. The spirit of infirmity. I want to talk about this a little bit. This body God created to be designed in strength and in the full expression of peace. That's how I pray for the sick. Lord, allow this body to be healthy, joyful, peaceful. Not diminished in an onslaught of infirmity. And, and you got to be careful who you allow speak over your life. Because they will speak all manner of weakness and lingering disorders instead of proclaiming life. Um, 
stricken by the uh, fear of death, the spirit of infirmity comes to debilitate the body. Um, I, I want to say this with regards to the spirit of infirmity. You, you need to, if you're challenged with weight, if, if you have a weight issue, um, through the years, I've said find out your weight, whatever you want to weigh, and keep it there. Find, find out what your weight, do not allow food and appetite to dictate your weight. Be a certain weight and make it healthy. You were called to be healthy. So they know that, that um, obesity, obesity and overweight brings all manner of issues. So one man said, I was so overweight, I needed to operate my knees because my knees could not hold the weight that was above them. So we're, we're responsible. That's one of the things about the kingdom of God. You can't rebuke overweightedness. You, you tell yourself, this is my weight, and I'm going to honor my body keeping the weight. Now, for, for several of us in our, in our family, uh, Jules was always skinny. Raul was always skinny. I was the one that was always overweight. And, and in our family, Josh was the one that when everybody finished eating, he says, I'll take all the leftovers. And he would eat everybody's leftovers. And, and so the people that have that inclination, but guess what? Um, Joshua declared that to be his enemy when he was 13 or 14 years old, he says, I'm not going to be overweight. He just, he just, he says, that's not who God called me to be. And I'm going to make sure that I toe the line. So it, he, he's worked really powerfully on that. Um, maybe too much, you know, where, where he, he's not going to play around in that area. He's not going to let loose in that. A lot of people that, that these, these spirits come together, the spirit of depression with chocolate, that, that, that usually connects. Um, and people say, well, pastor, when I eat chocolate, I feel happy. <laughs> Listen to me now. The joy of the Lord better be your spirit and not chocolate. Listen, order your life. Ask God for the spirit that brings order comes into your life so that, listen, and I'm all for eating. Um, I was in Puerto Rico right now and the Lord allowed an angel to sit next to me as a man, a messenger. And he says, I have one thing to tell you. And this is what he said to me. Make sure everything that lands in your stomach is healthy. Because that'll keep you in good health. And that was huge. Super huge. Super hard in the land of pastelitos and, and Cuban bread. But, but we, you notice our generational dis, uh, propensities towards sugar and sweets and all that stuff is, is a curse upon our families. So we need to cast that out in Jesus' name and, and say, Lord, allow me to walk in excellence in every area of my life. If you go to a lot of these churches, these, these spiritual intercessors, they're all overweight. They're all 30, 300 pounds plus, And they're like, glory. And I'm like, listen, you better glory, glory on down to the produce section and eat more vegetables and, 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 and ask the Lord for deliverance of things that, that have come to strip you of the joy that you're entitled to if you come against those things that are the spirit of infirmity, spirit of things out of order. Um, my, my next door neighbor, I just want to say this by way of testimony. Uh, we, I have a dog and we, he eats well. Um, and, and the dog of my next door neighbor, he is not fed nutritional value stuff. So after 10 years, 
that dog is breaking out with all manner of tumors and cancer and ugly things. And you're like, how did that dog get like that? Right through here, right through the mouth. Uh, you are what you eat, they say, in that world. So talk to Ariana. Ariana, there you Hey! My niece, she was, uh, I said to her a couple of th- uh, years ago, I said, forget about all that stuff you're learning. If you're not a spiritual man, it's no good. Okay, no, listen to me. I'm saying we don't want a spirit of infirmity to govern and direct our lives. Let's, let's learn how to do the stuff up front so we have the effects that of, of being led by the Lord. A deaf and dumb spirit, Jesus uh, cast these out constantly. Um, uh, some people are, are dumb and speak. Those people are just as worse as the deaf and dumb. But, but um, Christ, we've seen this powerful thing take place as we've prayed over the spirit of deaf and dumb people begin to speak. Um, that was the testimony uh, of one of the families here in church um, as they came to a, one of our summer camps as the children started participating in Sunday school. He began to articulate and talk, and his parents are like, wow, the Spirit of God is in that place. He healed our child. He began to speak. He began to talk. Um, in, in an example of the spirit of deaf and dumb, there was a guy who was uh, preaching the gospel, um, and... As he was preaching, the lady stood up and she grabbed her umbrella and she started hitting him on the head. And um, the young the young man she was with told her mom, "Stop hitting that guy over the head with the umbrella." And the woman fell to the feet and knelt down before the man and apologized. And he says, "Lady, don't worry about it." And she says, "You don't understand." That as you were preaching the gospel, the reason why I stopped hitting you is because my son had never spoken. And now he's telling me not to hit you. And a miracle happened right in the middle of the bus to that lady's child. So we've seen this happen many times where God begins to articulate uh, the mouths of children. And they become brilliant and, and incredible as we rebuke the spirit of deaf and dumb. Spirit of bondage. The Bible says we haven't come under addiction any, any addiction that comes over our lives. We, we've seen this happen in our church. It's just by the people sitting in the atmosphere of the presence and the spirit of the Lord, that evil that holds them bondage to alcoholism. That's George Caracol's testimony. Um, Mr. Poole also has a powerful testimony of how that spirit no longer is in his life. Why? Because he made the house of the Lord his habitation. He made this place a place of worship. Those demons don't like to go to church. They don't like to praise God. They don't like to celebrate. They don't like to honor the God of heaven. They don't like to keep the word of God. So we have incredible testimonies of addictions. Um, we have Victor Torres, who's up in Virginia. He has a, a addict's home. That's his ministry of addiction, drug dealers, um, uh, heroin, uh, all manner of drugs. And, and he has this program. And, and I tell him, we have a program too. In Jesus' name, uh, those demons got to leave. And you see these men, they set free they're delivered. They become excellent husbands, fathers. They, they work well. And so the spirit of bondage cannot dwell where there's a spirit of liberty. Amen. Um, the Bible says there's a spirit of fear. We haven't been given that. I know some of you love to go watch horror flicks because you like that little adrenaline flowing of demons. 
uh, stay away from that because you will become what you eat. Uh, if you invite a spirit of death into your family, you love Halloween, you love all things anxiety, stress disorders, um, undoubtedly, uh, I had a friend of mine who came to visit me with his 15-year-old son, and, and his son was like, he kept on twitching and, and jerking, and he was all over the place, and I was looking at his son, I said, he has no peace, and, and I asked him, I said, when did your son start doing that? And he says, I don't know. You know what his son says? He says, I do know, and it was the day that you bought me Guitar Hero, the video game that plays rock music. And so the transference of that ugliness in all that music, imagine how many guitars and twisted rock and and the kid walks around like this all the time now. And, and he told his dad, the day you bought me that video game messed up my life. And those spirits of fear and torment and anxiety uh, come to occupy a sound mind, a sound, uh, peaceful existence. Seducing spirits. Um, man, I wish I had an hour for this in Miami uh, because seducing spirits is a spirit of sexuality and, and it seduces um, in an attraction and a fascination and wonder. All the stuff you watch on TikTok, all the stuff, every woman who shakes their butt uh, at a selfie camera, you, you wonder what are they trying to attract. And so I said, be careful what you attract because it's a monster. It's, 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 if you attract through your body seducing, an example, if you wear clothes that is seductive and you're drawing people based on the, the front and the back and, and the shake, if, if you're moving in that direction and you, you do the, the puckering lips and stuff like that, what you're attracting is a demon of that nature. And it's not going to be satisfied to that level. So, so you don't want to attract that. This is the posture that you want to attract and, and be attracted. Attract one of these young men and young women that are looking for a man and a woman of God. And let that be the attraction. You won't repent a day of your life. You won't regret it. Uh, so attract stuff not based on your looks and your, your, your performance. Otherwise... I also have to say this, you don't want to be ugly either. Um, dude, I'm, I'm going to get after some of you guys because I don't think that you, what you're doing is, is fair either. That, that God did cause you to comb your hair and brush your teeth and, and, and show forth hygiene and, and a, a semblance of, of, you know, an attraction that's handsome and, and beautiful. I, I don't think we're, uh, we're below that. I, th I think that 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 is the case. Talk to Joshua. Joshua's doing a good job, and, and he knows how to toe the line between godliness and physical attraction. Um, but, but do that. But let's, let's not neglect uh, the, the tying nice braid and, and a ribbon and, and a nice dress and nice shoes. Why? God has provided for us that. Uh, you husbands, I'm going to rebuke you too, because you should have a budget for your wife to let loose at the mall and, and find what what garners her uh, provision as, as a groom. You were a groom, not a goon. You were a groom and you became a husband. You need to husband, husbandry is to be able to make your wife more attractive, um, not in the sensual expression of that, but in a beautifulness like Christ does the church. He provides uh, a 
garments without spot or wrinkle and and not the curtain um so the spirit of antichrist is strong in our day the spirit that comes against christ and that heightens worldly secular mind thought i, I don't want to be more wise than christ i don't want the devil to teach me the wisdom of the world and leave me stupid um foolish uh in this regards when he told eve in the garden if you disobey god i'll open your eyes you young people, be careful what he wants to open your eyes to because it will far exceed the ge territorial geographical limits of the kingdom and you'll find yourself in great darkness because you wanted to be so wise. Like the devil, the, he was wise and extreme and his pride led to his downfall. So the spirit of the Antichrist is strong. Somebody told me a man flew all the way from Poland to Miami. He wanted to interview me. He says, you have incredible leadership. Uh, savvy and wisdom why can't we have a world leader that's not like Christ why does Christ have to be involved I said buddy don't worry he's coming it's called the Antichrist and if that's who you're looking for to lead the world he's right around the corner and you could have at it meanwhile I and my house will follow the Lord we're, we're gonna use his leadership as extreme expressions of reality the spirit of Antichrist the spirit of error we're seeing more and more Christians fall into a spirit of error and i wish there was a spiritual button like at the airport where you press and you get a green light and you get to go and you press a red light and you have to stop i wish christians had that it's called the holy spirit so that you not fall in the spirit of error why because so many people are going over the cliff in these days of deception and error and what is wrong with it is that this is not something that affects the world because the world is already in error. It's affecting Christians. And you know who in Christianity? The leaders. The ones that are supposed to teach truth and wisdom are in error. So they're twisting the scriptures to accommodate their own. The Bible says in the last days, they will not tolerate sound teaching. They'll find someone, a leader, to teach them that which is true. Uh, deceitful to itch their ears and lead them in the wrong course of company and direction this spirit of error is a spirit of contention and corruption it gives you an unteachable spirit you, you don't have people being able to teach you have an unsubmissive disposition you don't respect authority you my friend are prominent citizen of the world to come under the leadership of the false prophet and the antichrist um, the spirit of poverty is something that i wish you could flow in as the young people hang around with me that that is a contagious spirit what is it that when they see me walk in generosity they see that i've been delivered from the spirit of poverty i'm not looking for something to be given wherever i'm out i'm giving something of what do i give what i have Whatever I have, I give, and that transfers your world out of the spirit of poverty to a spirit of abundance. And lastly, a spirit of death. We've had men that have come here that all they do is like, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I don't know why I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And you're like, what's going on with you? I just feel like I'm going to die. And I'm like, listen, he has come that you might have life. Life in abundance. 
and to die is gain for those of us that are in Christ. Acts chapter 19, we have the final expression of men that are seven in number, and they go out to rebuke demons. Verse 13, Acts 19, 13. Then some of the traveling exorcists, this is in the Bible, called, uh, attempted to call the name of the Lord over those who had evil spirits. And they would say, I implore you solemnly, command you by the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches. Verse 14, seven of the sons of Sceva, the Jewish uh, chief priest, were doing this. Verse 15, the evil spirit retorted, I know and recognize and acknowledge Jesus. I know about Paul, but as for you, who are you? You're trying to cast me out, and you're not even, you're not walking like you should. So you got to be careful when you go do cleanup work, casting out spirits, that they not turn around and say, yeah, you quit with your girlfriend, quit cheating on your wife, and then I'll come out. Quit cheating on your finances, then I'll come out. Quit acting like a Christian when you're not. What authority do you have to kick me out when you are a total misfit? You're a clown. So these spirits know who's before them. And there they said, we know Jesus, we know Paul, but who are you? Verse 16, the man in whom the spirit was in leaped upon those men, overpowered them, subdued them, and stripped them naked, hurting them. Is that what it says? Prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. They went to clean house and ended up super twisted because their life was twisted. So this, my friends, means that we get our life in order. Make sure we have the right covering. We're in the right authority. Because these demons, they know that only a person that's under authority has authority. And if you're not listening to those that lead you, what authority do you have to point to the devil saying you're out of order? He's going to turn around and say, you too, buddy. We're both going to be in hell together. And so, verse 17, this became known to all who lived in Ephesus, both Jewish and Greek, and the fear of God fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord was magnified and exalted. So, in this regard, we see that we have the responsibility to do the work of God. Let's stand this morning and ask God that we might walk in the order of our authority. When they asked the disciples to come and cast out demons... People are going to call this place, asking us to go to their homes. In Matthew 17, verse 16, this man came up to Jesus and said, I brought this son of mine to your disciples, and they were not able to help him. People are going to call us. I'm going to send Eric, not that I go over there with Diana and rebuke those demons. We're going to send them to addresses. Go kick the devil out of that home. He doesn't belong there. Go, go pray for this spirit of infirmity that's striking this, this family. And, and we'll go and address these demons. But when they brought them to the disciples, they had no power. Verse 17, even though they had authority, Jesus answered and said, you guys have no faith. You're living in a twisted mindset. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. So the man went and brought this young uh, son to him, verse 18. And Jesus began to rebuke the demon, and it came out of him. 
and the child was cured, he was healed that very hour. There's a power of Christ in us and through us. Verse 19, um, the disciples came to Jesus privately. Hey, coach, we, we need some new, we need you to teach us better because we weren't able to do it. And said, why couldn't we cast out this spirit? What hindered? What restricted? What was the thing that did not allow us to be successful and prosperous in our spiritual exercise? In verse 20, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for unsurely I say to you, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you got to know how God wants us to move in the direction as a mustard seed. You'll say to this mountain, move from here and go to there and it will be moved. Nothing will be impossible to you. The, 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 the precise scenario here was they went quickly to rebuke the evil spirit, but they didn't talk to God first. Because our authority is based being under God's authority. So sometimes, I'll give you an example. A girl came into the church. She was, ah, tormented. Ah, ah. And she came, uh, I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for me. And so I walked over and I said, Lord, tell me what's happening with her. And all of a sudden he says to me, don't pray for her. Tell her to stop working where she's working. And I said, where do you work? She goes, I'm a bartender. I said, the Lord told me not to pray for you and for you to stop working in that place. And that torment's going to go away. So in this particular instance, as they were asking, why didn't the demons come out? Jesus is saying, because you guys did not go to me first to find out what was happening. Verse 21, this particular spirit did not come out unless you fasted and prayed first. You guys rushed to do something without talking to the Lord. And so we have to be a people that we have the authority to do these things, but we need to go to the Lord. And sometimes he will give you the precise directions and how to address that. The person that was there watching me not pray for this, is, is it biblical not to pray for somebody? Yeah, when the Lord tells you not to pray for them. See? And, and if you're not checking with the Lord, we're doing all manner of things and we're going through all the motions, but we don't have the substance of authority because we're not walking in obedience. So, Father, this morning we thank you for this word and we pray that you don't send your provision without giving us the capacity to walk in that which you send and you embolden us and strengthen us, empower us and make us grow and mature in these matters that they're not far they're not kooky. They're not spooky. They're the kingdom of God has arrived when by the spirit of the Lord in the name of Jesus, evil spirits submit and obey our command to flee, to leave, to be cast out in the places they do not belong. And we pray that you give us wisdom in these matters so that our families might be free of the spirit of infirmity that for years has plagued our home because we've decided to walk in indulgence and excesses and no discipline, Lord. Give us wisdom to obey. Give, give us the, the capacity to walk as your children in obedience. Allow us to know that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not to be angry or ill-bent on people. But Father, in Jesus' name, every evil spirit that is manifest and taking occupancy of areas of our life have to flee in Jesus' name. This we pray for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. And